My name's Rad, and I want to tell you about the Transformers. My curiosity is aroused. Hey folks, and welcome back to Transformers Tuesdays, the fan hole spinoff show where we talk about Transformers every time and all the time. Uh, this is Mike. I'm going to be your host for this episode. And uh, this is part two of our look at uh, Marvel's uh, Generation 2 comic book. Uh, last time we talked about issues one through six, and this time we will round it out with uh, issues seven through 12. But uh, before we start, uh, who is with me tonight? Hey, what's up? This is Derek, Derek WC. This should have been over, finished. Coming in like a vast predatory bird, it's Justin. It never ends, you guys. Sometimes I'm, I feel like our podcast never ends. It's, it goes on and on and on. And it won't for Ghost Derek. And yep, we have, we have contracts. Like, Derek is going to have to keep doing this from beyond the grave, I've even done. after the swarm devours him. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not... I'm not a transformer i'm not metallic the swarm has no impact on me we'll have to get to discussing that but uh tony may join us later but uh yeah so uh, let's get right into it i mean we we talked about our history with generation two like i mean the only other thing i might want to add is like you know by, by by issue eight like i wanted to i had to go look at the individual issues to confirm this but by issue eight was when they officially announced like the comic was canceled and would be ending by you know 12 and stuff so i remember i have vivid memories of buying issue eight in the mall with my mom, like when we were like shopping, I, I forgot she was like shopping for clothes and I was reading like issue eight and like a, like a sitting down in the front of a like clothing store or something. And then I got to that and I was like, oh man, like, and I remember being all depressed and stuff. And my mom was like, come on, we're leaving. And she's like, what's wrong? And I was like, oh, my comic's ending. Like it just said, you know, this issue said it's going to end in like four more issues. And she was like, oh, well, she wasn't very impressed by that, but I was all depressed. So all of these, like like I said, I think I said last episode, um, issue six was the only one I really missed. And like the rest of these I bought straight off the shelf and like, you know, I read, I devoured and then I was sad it was gone. And then, you know, Transformers died again until basically Beast Wars started up. So, but yeah, like, I mean, I guess we'll, you know, we'll go as we were going, like issue by issue. I wrote up some like log line synopsis for them. So let me uh, dust off my Victor Caroli impression again, and uh, we'll go in with uh, issue number seven. So issue seven. Oh, I, I guess I should mention if it isn't obvious, like, you know, all these issues are written by Simon Furman, uh, art by Manny Galen. Uh, Derek Yaniger does some covers, but I, I, I think he only does like. A couple, like two or three more, like Tales of Earth mini stories in these, but otherwise it's all Manny Galen, and then Jeff Senior comes in and helps out with the last issue. So that's for, that. That's that for like art. Issue number seven is titled. The main story is titled New Dawn. 
After taking back command of the Decepticons and stealing the Creation Matrix from Optimus Prime, Megatron is poised to become the new reigning force in the galaxy. But first, he'll have to confront the second-generation Decepticons and go head-to-head with G-Axis in a deadly battle that will tip the balance of power once more. So yeah, that's generally what happens in issue seven and uh you know it leads off with a like basically the only like toy promoting that like major toy promoting that Furman has to do and i don't even know if he had to do it because he he's pretty like you know uh transparent about the fact that like he didn't get much many like much in the way of like hasbro mandates for this series like he was pretty much creatively free to do what he wanted but here you know he has to introduce rotor force and laser rods and like the new dreadwing toy although like he kind of repurposes dreadwing as a new body for darkwing so you know that's something like i and i remember seeing that in the comic and i was like oh that's super cool and then i saw the toy on the shelf and i was like oh really like i didn't know that was gonna be a thing so you know that that was a big toy selling moment to me and you know the rotor force and laser rods were also like i i had to buy most i i got all four rotor force guys and i i think i had two members of laser the laser rods but that's about it but uh i don't know dude were you guys like taken in by the the toy selling of this issue or Yes, I had a laser rod. I thought they were super cool. Like to to me, it was like having a transformer with a lightsaber. So I was I was totally bought into that. I had Electro. He was like the gold looking guy. Um, I don't think he's in this issue, but I think he's in like issue eleven or twelve, if I remember, for like one one or two panels or something. I thought those guys were really cool, and I I remember going back and I was like, ooh, I want to get more of these guys because I I I really liked that laser rod gimmick. I just thought that was super neat, and I remember going back and there were no more laser rods. There were lots of the rotor force guys, but I thought those were really lame. I don't know if you guys had any of those. I, I mean, it doesn't make sense, but I was like, ooh, laser rods like lightsabers are cool, but like little like spinning disc i thought those were like super lame and i kind of like held my nose up at those i think so. even 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 the wiki like kind of pokes fun at that for the, <laughs> their synopsis of this issue where one of the notes is it says like oh rotor force has to manually reload their rotors in the middle of battle like the next generation <laughs> ladies and gentlemen I, I was buying these issues but i don't think this ever i mean i i think you know the the space cube stuff and and whatever i guess i just i don't think i ever was majorly interested in the the toy selection like what what i seem to remember is when i would run into like i guess like machine wars and and g2 things like on clearance at kb's like after i started paying attention again maybe or like I guess in a weird way, like this, this issue made me think of Beast Wars second because of the proximity of like Darkwing to Megatron, I guess. Like, I I guess I was just thinking of the, like the Japanese, you know, Beast Wars two incarnations of those characters. Yeah. BB and Megastorm. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's, that's kind of what it made me think of. Roger. 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 But yeah, I mean, otherwise, like this issue is kind of like, you know, Megatron's ever since he came was rebuilt and he came back. Megatron's been on a winning streak 
And this is the issue where it has to come crashing down as he like, you know, he takes on, you know, G Axis's boys and they all pretty much get owned. Like, I mean, I feel like, you know, it's very telling that like, you know, Furman kind of has like all the guys that were a, a lot of the guys that were under bludgeon get killed. Like, you know, strangle, it looks like stranglehold and Octopunch like buy it in that battle or at least like get really messed up. And it's like, you know, it's kind of, it's ironically kind of shifting away from those guys and back towards like, you know, the first and second and third year guys. But but yeah, like I, I always, you know, people, again, we, we said it in the first issue, in the first episode, but like people rag on Manny Galen's art, but I think he, he does. A, I think he was kind of settling in here. Like, I think he has a lot of good like images here. And I think maybe Megatron and G Axis's fight isn't as epic as it could be, but I feel like he, he really effectively like sells the like sort of one sided nature of it. Like, and you know, I think that whole bit where G-Axis, like, kicks Megatron off his ship and then, like, you know, sends him, like, into atmospheric reentry is really super cool looking, so. Did that give anybody kind of, like, a, a flash of, like, Transformers the movie in a weird way? Like, that this was, like, another moment where, you know, I mean, it, somebody directly whooping Megatron's ass and then chucking them out the airlock, but, like... The, the idea that Megatron is getting chucked out an airlock again, but then they, you know, this made it like almost more definitive where they, they not only chuck him out the airlock, but then they blow him up after they chuck him out the airlock and stuff. Yeah. Like I, I, I do remember being a little shocked. I was like, is Megatron dead again? Like already? But then, you know, at the end it's like, you know, revenge. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely like, you know, like you said, the tables kind of turn or it, it, I guess it's laying the groundwork for the the impending rival fusion that is, is forthcoming, right? Your day was long ago, Megatron. We have moved on, grown so very much beyond your kind's archaic needs and desires. Your place, if indeed you have one at all, is in a museum to be stared at in silent horror. A throwback, an evolutionary nightmare to haunt their imagination. I pity you, for it must be frightening indeed to stand before the future and find you are extinct. I also like, uh, it always makes me laugh. Like, I, like again, like, I think Furman was really, like, fly like firing on all cylinders here because he probably had very little editorial interference and he had the freedom to like write whatever the hell he wanted but i always laugh at like starscream's line when he's like musing that like he's like oh like all of a sudden i'm not important anymore because megatron has all his troops back and he doesn't need me anymore he's like oh like i i doubt this means i'm gonna get a pension and a sign that says done murdering like or something like that that line always made me laugh and then uh you got like you know the tales of earth like back up with with the Derek Yaniger art where Optimus is healing from the battle from last issue and he kind of recalls all the times 
him and Megatron kind of were, you know, knocked around and, uh, you know, blown up and killed themselves over video games and, you know, and stuff like that. Like, yeah, it seems like it's got a bunch of references to all the old, you know, it's like it's referencing the first issue. It's referencing issue eight when Ratchet knocks him off the cliff. It's referencing 25 when he blows himself up in the space bridge. It's referencing 24 with the, the video game stuff. It's referencing uh then on the following page like issue 70 with the merge you know ratchet and and megatron and everything i think like prime's like narration in that is a little cheaty because he's kind of like you know oh why did i save you when i had the chance to and like he's talking about when ratchet and megatron were merged and i was kind of like well you were trying to save ratchet like Mega- megatron was just a like you know an uh unwanted like bonus By, but byproduct of that. yeah, yeah. uh huh but but i you know he's you know Furman's trying to push the like dichotomy between optimus and megatron so I mean, you know, again, there there is that feeling of of a slight missed opportunity because it it does look cool when you see the the damaged G two Megatron splash at the end, you know, with with all of his messed up parts, you know, his battle damage and everything, and it looks appropriately creepy and almost like it's interesting how they go from the a flashback of that kind of body horror with ratchet and megatron merged and it's like they're they're you know it's not the same thing but you know seeing g2 megatron it's also fairly horrific so it's like they're kind of taking you down there slowly you know going oh remember this horrific thing well check out this horrific thing that's currently ongoing you know and you're like oh no i mean that's that's kind of you know sort of the 90s influence like showing through or whatever but like i think it's you know i still think it's kind of super effective like i mean it looks awesome like it looks i was like you know when i was reading this i was only like you know 10 11 years old so i you know i thought this was pretty like creepy and shit so you know like i i I thought this was uh um i i don't know like i feel like people who come back to this and read this like when you know they're an adult and stuff they're like oh look how 90s this is look how extreme it is but like you know when we when i was reading it at least it this was like friggin' like you know the equivalent of like we joke about it but this was like the equivalent of like the dark knight returns of transformers to me like this is like you know this was super dark and gritty and mature and like you know maybe it's a it, it all depends on when you read it basically i guess well, yeah, and, and and when you come to things like that's that that's part of the tragedy, I think, with some stuff because you've got people that maybe tragedy is a bit extreme, right? But like, you know, there, there's some people that you know don't cotton to whatever the great landmark stories are in comics because they weren't reading comics at the time or they've read so many other grim and gritty Batman stories that by the time they go back and read you know, Dark Knight Returns, it, it it doesn't have the same impact on them because they've, you know, skipped the line, jumped ahead and read all this other stuff that, you know, probably was influenced by it, but they, they, they didn't come to it in the same order. And I, I think, I mean, we, I think we kind of said this in the last show, but, you know, there, there are a lot of things, story points, plot points, rival fusions like like i mean if you if you want to be really really honest about this 
like, I mean, I'm sure we'll get more into it as you go through the other synopses, but this setup of the rival fusion between Optimus and Megatron, like, I mean, am I wrong? Like, I feel like this is the first time, like, that something like that, like, was really, you know, set up and well done. And now it's just part of every, the movies, the Netflix shows, the whatever, like, it's a well they always go back to. But I think this is, you know, one of the first and, and arguably better times it was executed, you know? Absolutely. This is like the the granddaddy of all that, I feel like. But uh, do you, do you, Justin, do you have anything else to add about this issue? Or What are these little crabs on top of Optimus? Like, are they <laughs> fixing him? Is that what they're doing? Yeah, they're, just they're, like... they're, rep- they're repair crabs. Oh, oh obviously. Okay. Like, have they, <laughs> have they ever shown up before this? Or? No, I, I think this is just a cool, like, Derek Yaniger, like, okay. flourish that he added. Yeah. Uh-huh. Can you imagine if they, instead of, like, uh, CR chambers and Beast Wars, they decided to go with repair crab? <laughs> all right, yeah. get, get on the table. We'll have the repair crabs swarm all over you. I really like Yanniger's uh, flashback page, like especially the one that shows like, you know, OG gun Megatron in the space bridge and Grimlock. Like I like I really like that page. Like like it, if I was, you know, collecting art like Derek, like that's a page that I would be like, ooh, like I'm going to I'm going to actively search for that because I think that page is really great. I just like that. it It's it's a cool, unique way to see something you've already seen, but with with Yanniger's flair, you know, mm-hmm. that he brings to the, the, the entire series and the characters. So it's, it, it is a fun way to revisit it. Whereas I, you know, I think sometimes people tend to think maybe flashbacks, you know, maybe you skip over like recap pages or flashback. It's like, you know, if you're, if you're in the shit and you're hardcore and you're like, Oh, I know all this stuff. I read all this stuff, but it's, it's, it's that's not entirely what it's about right because it's like you're you're revisiting it but it's it's from a unique vantage point and and that's i think what makes those those two pages pretty special yeah and this also sets up like one of the little MacGuffins that'll show up in issue 12 the the gas that the decepticons like steal from that planet which renders metal like denser closes up like molecular gaps in their armor or whatever so but yeah, so that's issue seven. And like Derek was talking about rival fusion. So that that's pretty much the basis of our next issue, uh, issue eight. The main story is titled Escalation. Humbled by G-Axis in his encroaching Cybertronian empire, Megatron finally agrees to an alliance with Optimus Prime. But will this newfound cooperation between Autobots and Decepticons be enough to prevent a massacre on planet Ethos? Find out now. So this this cover right here is the textbook visual definition of rival fusion. I think absolutely. Mm-hmm. This might have been uh, um, one of my main, you know, influences to yeah, liking yeah. that trope. Like mm-hmm. I, I remember buying this issue. I like I thought the cover was awesome. I'm like, oh man, like you know, you know, Optimus and Megatron are gonna team up and. Yeah, and like the whole issue is like an establishing of their, you know, rival fusion, basically. So, 
Uh, yeah, and like this is a cool like. Not only that, like it, it's super cool, but it's a good like action issue, and it, it's a good opportunity for Furman to like you know, all right, now I can like kill off a bunch more characters too. Like so, you know, you could tell, you could tell he was having fun basically like writing this book at this point. Like, and like like I said, uh, the letters page is where they announced that the book's been canceled. So I remember, even though. I, I was coming off this awesome issue and then I read the letters page and it's like, Oh, we're ending at issue 12. And I was like, Oh man, like that's, that's lame. Like, Ooh. Like, I but. have a Megatron question. Ever since he's came back, we've seen him do this and I don't know that it's been properly explained. Maybe it was when he was rebuilt in GI Joe and I forgot, but like, what is this green energy that he can make from his? Yeah. That that's explained in G.I. Joe. Like he had okay. they gave him like the power to like I forgot exactly how they put it, like excite like particles in the air or something. And like like I don't know, like he can he can he has some kind of energy powers now where he can uh, I think he says something stupid like I can excite electrons in the air or something. And then like, <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it's. Yeah, I I thought about going back and reading those issues, and I was just like, nah, it's probably not important. They re- they rebuild Megatron. Like I know what happens. When okay, dummy me. Like I I like Tank Megatron. Like I like G two Megatron. But what throws me off is when you see Megatron holding a gun. It's so bizarre to me because like you, you think Megatron, you think Fusion Cannon, when he's got this new tank mode and. They say, I think they call it a railgun or something. Like, they don't call it a fusion cannon. I'm like, all right, whatever. It still looks like it's fusion cannon. It's just been moved to, like, his shoulder or to, you know, that area. But seeing him hold a gun, and you see it on different covers and in different issues, like, it feels really off. And to see him have, like, this green, like, almost curvy crackling energy, like, that feels really bizarre and off like i know it's to display how powerful he is but like megatron shooting energy beams from his hand just doesn't fit right at least to me yeah it was always some you know i I feel like it was a way to make him like more of a comic book like Mm. like i don't know like almost like an x-men villain almost because that was what was popular at the time because like he yeah he was always like kind of in this like you know shooting energy blasts and stuff like from his hands but uh yeah i don't know it it, it's not like i said in gi joe there's a bunch of like techno gobbledygook to explain it or something but yeah he just kind of has it in this series and they they just go on you know using it I do like the little bit we get of the Dinobots like showing up and kicking ass. Although, you know, it looks like Smokescreen bites it, and I was like, oh, not Smokescreen. You know, if there are certain Transformers you like, you have like a little affinity for, even though they don't really do much except have like one character trait. And Smokescreen's one of those guys. I'm like, oh, I like Smokescreen, even though he doesn't do anything of importance. Like he looks cool. I always liked his character and his toy. And here he like burst into flames and Inferno was really sad. And I was like, oh, I I just remember that making me sad. I was like, oh, I kind of felt like he was one of my guys. And it's kind of like it's a like reversal of something Furman's already done before. Like in the UK, it's like Inferno and Smokescreen trying to get back to Cybertron. And then Inferno has to sacrifice himself so Smokescreen can get away. 
Mm-hmm. So, like, <laughs> the Furmans may be, well, I mean, at this point, like, you know, U.S. readers had probably never even heard of that or seen that. So, but, you know, Furman, like, recycles or almost recycling his own, like, stuff there. Smoke screen gets shot up with him. But then Inferno dies a couple pages later, sort of, right? Yeah, well, like, Inferno, like, goes into that building and then they collapse it on him, so... I always assumed like like Springer and Ironhide seem to get away like I because like like Ironhide's shown getting shot, but then he's also shown like reacting to smokescreen blowing up. So like I just assumed they like ran off like if they didn't die on panel. So then uh, I, I love that scene where the aerial bots are rescued by like the Decepticons and stuff and like, yeah. What, like that, like air raids, my favorite aerial bot. So I love when he's like, you know, he's landing and he's like, we've been rescued by Decepticons. Like how humiliating, like, like <laughs> I could hear like, you know, what's his face? Uh, Rob Paulson, like saying that line, like, so and e- even like, like, you know, when Starscream's kind of like, you know, yeah, like rah, rah, rah. Like, that, that's good. But I mean, yeah, I guess there's there's not a whole lot else to say about this issue. I mean, it's just an, mostly an action issue. It's like, you know, Megatron and Optimus have to grudgingly, like, you know, put aside their differences. And then, you know, Optimus is like, come on, we're going to go do, you know, some shit. And Megatron's like, no, I don't want to. And then, yeah, that's they, they continue as they mean to keep going on. Oh, you know what I wanted to ask you guys, like maybe we're last issue too, but like were you ever confused that like Leadfoot and Manta Ray are Decepticons, even though their toys were like Autobots? I was like, you know, Rotor Force is divided up into like, you know, two Autobots and two Decepticons. But here, I think they just pretty much said that all the Rotor Force guys were Decepticons. And then like, you know, later on in issue 12, Manta Ray and Leadfoot have their big like, hey, we should be Autobots instead like moment. So I don't know. Did that ever confuse either of you or? I didn't know enough about them to realize that. Like I said, I kind of held my nose up to the Rotor Force. I was like, oh, these the deep, the gimmicks lane. So I think I kind of like. Didn't even pay attention to, like, who was on what side. So I don't think that registered with me at all. Yeah, I don't I don't think I knew enough to be confused. Were you confused, Little Mike, back in the yeah, day? Yeah, I, I was because I okay. had I had <laughs> Leadfoot and Manta Ray. And I'm like, but wait, like, they're Autobots. Why are they fighting with the Decepticons? Like, and then, you know, I guess, well, it's like one of those things where, you know, if, if Furman had more like editorial like interference and he had to like you know sell these toys right it's like you know they're like make sure the kids know they're autobots like or whatever but here he's just like you know uh whatever they're, you know why why would like the decepticons and the autobots come up with the exact same gimmick on both sides if the decepticons have rotor guys like we need rotor guys too like this will change the entire course of the war if we don't have rotor guys like you know, or late guys with lightsabers, like, you know, so it's just a, a thing like Furman had to, like, throw in there, I guess, just to, exp- you know, later on explain it. But now I'm, now I'm imagining like a G1 episode that was lost to time where, like, the Autobots develop, like, Clown Bot who gives everyone ice cream and Megatron's like... You know, shockwave. We need a. We need our own clown bot with even better ice cream. Like, the balance of Megatron. power must be maintained. <laughs> like, but the Decepticons have clown bots too. <laughs> it's like the commercial, like you know. 
will not be denied ice cream. Well, I guess we'll move on then to uh, issue number nine, which is titled Swarm. The approach of the swarm, a ravenous cloud of energy that consumes all life, is imminent. The Autobot Decepticon Alliance must both investigate this new threat and contend with a betrayal from within as Starscream offers his services to Geaxis. So this is kind of like the setup for the, like, I mean, they've hinted at the swarm and like, we know where the swarm comes from. Cause like we found out in issue five, like where, like it was produced, but this is like the, you know, the setup of the threat of the swarm kind of like, and how it, you know, consumes like, well, see, I was going to say, cause you mentioned it earlier, Derek, that like, it was like, Oh, well, I'm not metal. Like I don't, I don't have to fear the swarm, but I feel like that's very unclear because when they're investigating the planet at the beginning, like that looks like organic things that have been consumed. Like there's all like skulls and stuff like, you know, like so. And, you know, it's clear that the swarm like came through that planet. So like, but then like, yeah, is it, is it like, are you sure that, that it's not that G axis is, Cybertronian Empire came through and killed those guys and left their skulls and then the swarm came in and killed all of Geaxis's guys? Um, they're pretty it seems pretty certain. Like Megatron even says, like, well, this is wasn't Geaxis's bunch. Like, this isn't mm-hmm. their MO. Like okay. so. Okay. Yeah, but but then, like, again, like I say, it's confusing because then you have that scene on that planet where, like, the the, the Cybertronians are killing all the natives. And when right. the swarm comes to, like, consume all them, it ignores the little, like, tiny, like, you know, ape men or whatever. Yeah. So, like, I, I don't know. It's very unclear. I mean, I, I think the intent is that they don't, the swarm does not go after organics, but... I, I can understand why maybe the way that DPS is drawn leads to confusion, you know. But I mean, but look at look at the, the like. Do you see how um, what's his face from MST3K? Oh yeah, like uh, Tom Servo and Crow are in there. Yeah, yeah. Like so, I don't know, man. I mean, I know you see skulls, but there's also robot in there. So I I don't know. I don't know, like, look at that, like, that next page where, like, Megatron has his back to the camera in that mm-hmm. panel. Like, mm-hmm. that looks like, you know, organic, like, skeletons and stuff. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think I think it's kind of, and, like, something about, like, issue 12 where, uh, you know, the swarm is actually attacking Earth. Like, um, there's some, like, trivia, like, on the wiki that I read, like, that... Like Larry Dottilio, like, you know, one of the writers of like, you know, Beast Wars, like he he he's he, part of his headcanon was like he was the one who wanted to make the Valk like the evolved form of the swarm, basically. And like his headcanon basically was that in issue 12 of G2, the swarm like consumed all of humanity, like, you know, and even though you don't really get that impression from the issue you don't like see any humans uh, like otherwise and like he said like the swarm basically he was like my backstory for the valk was that the swarm consumed all of humanity like evolved into the valk and then wanted to like make amends for that which is why they go back in time and beast wars and try to like you know fix things on earth or like try to like replicate the experiment or 
you know, I, I don't know exactly what his plans were, but that, so like, you know, for his head cannon to be that way, that means the swarm would have had to have consumed organic matter basically. So, mm, okay. but you know, that obviously that never really panned out because the connection between the swarm and the Valk has always been kind of tenuous at best. Like no one's really like specifically canonized it. So. Hey but, guys, I can with the swarm. I'm here now. The, the swarm has uh, reconstituted Tony. Like, Tony, how are you? I'm here. I'm here. Tony, we, like, I, I was, I, I'm glad you're here because this is like one of the questions I had for you. Like, uh, have you ever wanted a toy of mindset? Duh, they made one. Oh, yeah, they, that movie kind of like version. But it wasn't like specifically him. It was just kind of like a half track tank that like vaguely looked like him. But. No, they yeah they slapped a name on a, a guy and colored him blue and said it was good. Uh, mindset, uh, he doesn't have a lot of screen time, quote unquote. I mean, compared to other G two Cybertrodias, he does. I mean, he's actually named and he actually has speaking lines, which you know, a lot of them are just like you know, get the Autobots or yes, G axis. You know, they're kind of rank and file. Um, it's like him and Rook, basically, right? Yeah, aside from G-Axis, they're, like, the only, like, named kind of, like, G2 Cybertronians. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't, like, if they came out in Legacy and said, hey, here's totally fresh mold mindset, I mean, that'd be fine. Sell them in a two-pack, you know, father and son, you know, onslaught G, uh, mindset. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that doesn't even really make a lot of sense, but, like, I, I don't... Yeah, there's that point in the issue where, like, Onslaught kind of, like, sympathetically feels Mindset's death, and they kind of imply it's because Mindset is, like, Onslaught is, is like, a descendant of Onslaught, but that doesn't make any sense because in the Marvel comics, like, the Combaticons were, like, maybe built on Earth, so, like, but I don't know, like, does anyone have any other, like, reads on that scene, or, like... Does it have to be a descendant, like, can it just be like, uh, I don't know, like a weird, like, like Skex's like mystic thing going on where like when one G2 guy gets nailed by the swarm, like some G1 guy is going to, you know, get cramps or some shit. Like, I don't know. Yeah, like, I, I, I don't know. I never, again, something, it, it was some high-minded science fiction concept that I feel like Furman threw in there that, like, I that never really, like, I never really, like, understood, I guess. Like, I, I mean, I understand it. I comprehend it. But I just, I, I just don't know why it's in there, I guess. I was going to ask you guys, like, maybe this is my shortcoming because you guys spent some time discussing, you know, a potential toy of of one of G-Axis's, I guess, you know, uh, lieutenants or whatever. But like to me, I, I, I guess the way I have always read these is like, oh, they're not, quote unquote, real Transformers. And also like there, there was something about these guys that aside from G-Axis, because G-Axis had his little arc where he was, you know, constantly exposed to his ancestors. And then that sort of, you know, quote unquote, corrupted his M.O. or whatever, like and, and that made him a little more, you know, I don't know, relatable or or he was definitely distinct. But I, I'm just curious, like. 
do you guys like feel like these other guys got enough time spent on them? Do you do you care whether they did or didn't? Like you know, because I know, I mean, at least you know, Mike and Tony were talking about you know uh, potential toys and things like that. Like, I guess I'm just curious, like, what your guys's take on all these? Because it's like you know, in the beginning there were like the the captain that. Prime held at gunpoint, and you know, usually it seems like anybody talking to Giaxis is kind of like this, I don't know, sycophant toady type character, or you know, it, 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 I, I guess it, it was this weird dichotomy to me that the Cybertronian Empire were full of all these guys who were supposedly like heartless terraformers that would go around essentially murdering all organic life to expand their empire. But anytime you would see one of these guys talk to G-Axis, they looked like, you know, little wimps coming to talk to dad or something. You know what I mean? Like, and so that, I guess that to me was somewhat of a dichotomy. And these guys are at least a little different from that because they, they never have to be subservient in front of G-Axis so they're just doing the the hunting down, but then ultimately, I guess they get taken out by the swarm. So in its own way, like these guys are also subservient to a stronger force. And if if, if the big cell was like, oh my god, like these Cybertronian guys are the next generation, and they're this big bad threat for our heroes or our protagonists, whether it be Prime or Megatron or Grimlock or whoever, but they're all getting summarily taken out by the swarm or, you know, looking like kind of wimpy in front of G-Axis, then the only person that you, I don't know, for me, like from my point of view as a reader, the only person that, that I ascribe any sense of, of threat to, to, you know, or from is G-Axis or the swarm. But a lot of these guys, I thought, maybe there was a missed opportunity to, to, you know, maybe if this series had more issues or more time, like they could actually flesh out some of the the other members of the Cybertronian Empire more than than they were able to. Yeah, like, I, I mean, I think like their lack of indiv- mostly lack of individuality was probably intentional. But like, I mean, they do have like distinct designs, like uh, even though they all kind of share the same color scheme. But uh yeah, I mean, if there was more time, I'm sure, like, I, I think this whole scene with mindset is the closest, like, Furman gets to, like, characterizing the rank and file of, like, you know, the Cybertronian Empire. So, you know, the fact that he got to that even is in these 12 issues is is a nice, like, commendable touch. But I don't know, like, a, Rook, like, shows up and, yeah, like, as, like, you know, G-Axis's, you know, right-hand little toady or whatever. So, I mean, he gets, like, and he, he ultimately escapes and, like, reports back to the Liege Maximo at the end of the series, which we're kind of getting ahead of, I'm getting ahead of ourselves here. But I don't know, like, I, I it's probably a, a lack of space. Like, I mean, you want to keep your focus on, like, the guys we know at this point, so... Yeah, Rook was the only one I ever thought about, even for like a minute minute or anything, because like he survives and then you get the big reveal of Legion Maximo, who is seemingly an even larger, more powerful threat than GX ever was. So I was always thinking like, okay, well, like 
would they have did something with Rook? Would they try to like set him up as like the next G axis while Liege Maximo is in the background, like doing you know whatever? Like I I remember having those ideas. So like I guess Rook is the only one who even stood out even a little bit. I think it would have been, of course, cool if like G axis had like his little core group because I mean. You got Megatron with Soundwave and Starscream, and you could plug in different Decepticons as far as where they rank on, you know, Megatron's uh, important, you know, tier list. Then, you know, Mega, uh, Opti- Optimus Prime, of course, he's got Ironhide, he's got Prowl, he's got Jazz, he's got Bumblebee, he's got like his little core group of, of buddies, too. Um, Ultra Magnus, you know, if you really want to throw in the whole shebang. But, like, I, I agree with Mike that, like, it probably was a time constraint. And not only that, but not to be too much into the, I guess, business side of things. If they weren't going to make toys of them, you know, Hasbro probably didn't care. So that might have given Furman, like, a little bit more carte blanche, you know? He could have been like, you know, hey, this mindset guy, he's the name character and he, he's got a speaking line. But I could totally kill him, and it doesn't matter because he's not a new toy. Like Rook, you know, like Rook, he doesn't have a toy, but I could actually give him like a little bit of a juicy part. You know, he could go back to Liege Maximo, and you know, that's my little contribution to Transformers. You know, lore. They they had a little bit more agency to kind of do whatever they want with them. Where if they had been like brand new toys, it might have been a little bit harder for Hasbro to be like, okay, don't kill him yet. You know, we kind of got to sell these things. I do like that moment where mindsets like what's what's the deal with like, you know, our uh, our ancestors? Like, how could they possibly think this organic life is even like remotely possible of like creative thought or whether whatever? And well, as he's saying that, he's like bashing like this friggin like, you know, totem that sculpture like, or something. Yeah, like yeah. that the, they made or something like that's a you know, that's a cool glimpse into their mindset, pun intended, like <laughs> The, the, the G2 uh, Cybertronians, like, I was thinking about this, not directly, not like, you know, 100%, but they do remind me a lot of the Cardassians from Deep Space Nine, kind of. Yeah, like, I, I could see that, uh-huh. They're, they're conquerors, a lot of the lower-level guys aren't important, but, like, you know, the Axis definitely has, like, Gold Ducat kind of, like, megalomania, you know, he doesn't have as much depth as far as like you know the shit that golden cop went through but he yeah he definitely has that kind of like for the you know for the greater good of the cybertronian race you know like for the greater good of you know cardassia you know know what i totally forgot about too uh that they they just announced that like troop builder four pack with the one of them and one of them is a g2 like grunt soldier made out of skullgrin i think yeah, it's Golgrin. Oh, uh, yeah, it's got like two heads, I think. Like you could see, like some of the Cybertronian G two guys, the grunts, and like two of the heads are like directly pulled for that. I think. Yeah, the, the the sort of skull head with the horns. Yeah, like I, I totally forgot about that. It's like, but then like that sucks because it's like if you want to troop build that, you got to buy like a four pack of like four guys. Like so, and then you know what is it like a Quintazon? judge and i i not a quinta uh, alicon guard or something and then like four other like you know troop building guys 
auto rooper and uh, a, a random seeker. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's kind of lame. But I would, I mean, I would buy a couple G2 soldiers if they would just like, you know, package them by themselves. But if nothing else, just to take a picture of them with Jackness. Yeah. Them, like... uh... <laughs> All right. Anything else about this issue or should we move on to issue 10? I, I don't know if we talked about the, the Tales from Earth that much, but just that, you know, it just sets up the next issue is, is attacking the, the Autobots base or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a setup for the next issue. And then Optimus tells, you know, Megatron, like the, the origins of the swarm basically, yeah. or, or, you know, the, the vague the, threat the, of it yeah. at this point. Yeah. So, but, uh, yeah. So, uh, issue 10 is titled total war. The Cybertronian Empire launches a full-scale assault on the Earth, seeking to crush the Autobot Decepticon Alliance. Optimus Prime and Megatron attempt to board the War World, but find it and the Matrix have been possessed by Starscream. So yeah, like this is, uh, you know, G-Axis launches his like, final assault, attempting to take down the Autobot Decepticon Alliance and generally attack Earth. And uh, another kind of big fight scene while while in the background, it's like the swarm is approaching and, uh, you know, Starscream, like, you know, allied with G-Axis last issue. So now he gives them like the access codes to the war world. So they take over the war world. And then, yeah, by the end, like the cliffhanger is that, you know, uh, Starscream uh, <laughs> uh, uses the creation matrix to merge with the war world and. Yet another, like, you know, instance of Star. Well, I mean, at this point, it wasn't yet another. It was only like the second time he did it. But, you know, another instance of Starscream using a like, you know, artifact to become a giant like <laughs> a giant head, basically, or a giant cosmic like powerhouse. So, yeah, but uh, it's a pretty good it's a pretty good, you know, fight scene, like for most of the issue. You, you do get your rival fusion moment. Yeah. I mean, and the Autobots and the Decepticons work together pretty well, actually, in this issue. You like that one panel of Optimus and uh, Megatron storming into battle, and, and Megatron uh, is using his his cannon like a jetpack. <laughs> yeah, or I don't know if he's doing. I think he's just shooting behind him. That is, yeah, because there's a like jet following them, and he's like, I'm looking at the page right now, and he's just kind of shooting casually shooting it from behind but and then you also i love also like roller is in prime's trailer and it's like rollers shooting out out of prime's trailer too in one scene too yeah it's 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 pretty cool and it's funny we you just mentioned that troop pack because a lot of the guys um, on the various panels they have that like chest yeah the the skull head yeah Uh uh-huh i remember um I was a little unhappy when I first read this issue that like, it seemed like the combaticons kind of like died off panel. Like, you know, they, they go to confront the boarding parties on the war world and then you never see them again. So like that, I was kind of like, Oh, that's lame. Like they're they're the combaticons. Come on. You can't just kill them off panel, but. Well, I guess, I guess you can when you're star screen. Why? That's what they all ask me. Why him? Why Starscream? 
Why of all the Decepticons did I decide to revitalize the one whose record of deceit and betrayal is a legend? Because I'm an idiot! That's why. While I am tempted to record that last statement for posterity, I feel it is indeed time we faced facts. If we stay here, we will be destroyed. I mean, I guess this goes without saying, but it's it's a fun moment when, you know, Megatron declares himself an idiot and then Prime is like, well, I, I, I would like to record that so I can play it back to you when whenever I need to or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Would you uh, say like maybe like Genesis of like the whole Prime and Megatron can not only get along when they have to, but actually kind of enjoy each other's company in a way? <laughs> Yeah, but like we were kind of talking about this earlier, that this whole series like is kind of the genesis of Optimus and Megatron doing a rival fusion and, you know, just, you know, being able to, like you said, get along like really well because they can relate to each other. Like, you know, even though they probably don't want to admit it, although like, you know, nowadays it's kind of stripped of any subtlety where it's like, oh, like they were best friends when they were, you know, little tiny protoforms or whatever. And then they grew up and yeah. Storyline, there are others. Well, there was always like in, in Marvel comics, there was always a sort of like, oh, we are two sides of the same coin, like sort of thing with Optimus and Megatron. But I like tracks, so it's cool to see him do stuff. I mean, he, he he sets up the D two like toys the the like you were saying the the rotor force guys yeah but like it's just kind of cool to see him get a moment because he, he he's rarely in comics really yeah it's true and it, I think the line is very him like I can hear his voice actor saying that line too so that's a nice moment I like the setup with uh, Razor Claw and Manta Ray and Grimlock. Like, they, they don't get too deep into it in this issue, but it sort of sets up what's to come with those three. Like, they're all, you know, fighting together at the moment, but they're, they're you know, they're going to sort of, uh, I guess things are going to come to a head later on, like once their uh, temporary alliance, you know, concludes or whatever. I must say that uh, Jeff Sr.'s, like, War World merged Starscream looks much cooler than Manny Galen's will next issue. Yeah, yeah. I really like the Tales of Earth part, I think mostly because of the Jeff Sr. artwork. There's something about the way he draws G2 Megatron. He just, like, it, it looks like perfection on the page. and I, I don't know why, but he... There's that panel of Grimlock, and he's got Big Grim written on his arm. Like, I never <laughs> understood that. <laughs> he's got, like, a bandana or something. I was just like, what? It, I don't know. I don't, I don't I, even think it survives to the other, like, issues. It's just, like, there for some reason. I feel like <laughs> it's like they're channeling, like, Sylvester Stallone or something. You know, like, uh, Rambo. <laughs> Grimlock and like he does he doesn't even have it when Manny Galen's drawing him so it's like it, you could imagine in the middle of battle he went into like a tent and like got that tattooed on his arm and put on a bandana and ran back outside to keep fighting like well I mean to, to be fair the Megatron toy from G2 had eat this Autobots on his cannon so I mean <laughs> Megatron attack I do like also like the eating contest that the Dinobots and Weird Wolf and Headstrong have too. Yeah, that's great. 
like I said, I think like Furman at this point, since he knows the book is ending, like he's having a lot of fun. Like there's a lot of good moments. It's uh, action packed. It's it's suitably dramatic. But there, again, like right now, there's not much to say about it because it's just like a fight scene issue, basically. And it's set up for the final two issues. Yeah, this is where we get our punchy kicking in. Yeah. All right. Well, then let me move on, I guess, to issue number 11. Uh, which is titled Dark Shadows. Starscream has used the Matrix to merge with the War World, and Optimus Prime and Megatron are in for a whole world of pain. With Geaxis's forces continuing to devastate the Earth, can things get any worse? Enter the Swarm. So this is kind of like a more focused issue. Like I, I don't, they barely even touch on the like battle going on, like on the surface. Like it's just mostly Optimus and Megatron, like, you know, dealing with the war world. Well, you know, uh, G axis continues to lose his grip on sanity. And yeah, like, like you said, Tony, like this is, this is a, like a big, like Optimus and Megatron, uh, even Optimus admits that like, you know, oh man, like if me and Megatron weren't enemies, like we'd be like awesome together. Like we'd, we'd totally own all their weak asses. Like, you know, but. Yeah, we hang out on weekends and watch movies and ride dirt bikes. <laughs> all right. Uh-huh. And yeah, like, I, I mean, I'm reading this as a kid, like, I always thought it was cool that, like, you know, like, Starscream was a giant, like, Starscream, and like, it's a good threat, like, I think I had, like, uh, like, the Marvel versus Capcom games in my head, maybe, because, like, I would think of, like, you know, fighting Apocalypse or Onslaught, like, in those games where they were, like, giant, like, the size of, like, you know, the whole screen. So that's kind of what I thought of, like, sometimes when I would, like, play those games. I'd think back to this, like, with Optimus and Megatron fighting, like, the giant, like, half Starscream, kind of, like, from the from the waist up Starscream. I like the page after G-Axis kind of slaps around uh, Rook or whatever, like, because I don't know what it is. Like, it, it reminds me of, like, Starscream looks like something that would be in an episode of, like, the real Ghostbusters or something. Like, he almost looks like, you know, it's like a possession of the war world or whatever. So it's like he's inhabiting it and he's slowly, like, pulling prime and megatron into a cauldron of fire within his mouth like i I don't know like it's funny but like cool at the same time yeah kind of of like beetlejuice almost like a beetlejuice form yeah yeah then you got megatron laying down the fermanisms where he's like i'm gonna give starscream the worst case of indigestion he's ever had i i i do like the fact that like optimus like you know he had so many times where he could have said i told you so We'll deal with this right now. <laughs> I, I do like that. Like, there's that like one scene where uh, there, uh, him and Optimus uh, are going through these various like almost like obstacles and stuff to to try to you know get through the war world. And uh, at one point, Starscream's face just kind of pops out of a wall to mock them. And Megatron punches it. <laughs> and he like he's good line. Like he's like, you know, this probably didn't hurt you, but it makes me feel a lot better. Like yeah. You know, the the Tales of Earth part is drawn by Jeff Sr. again, and then, you know, G Axis blows San Francisco like off the face of the planet. 
like which I always thought was a pretty like heavy scene. Like, you know, Optimus is completely distraught about it. And, you know, so like that was uh, and, you know, that's a great villain moment for G axis. It kind of shows like how far gone he is at this point where he just wants to make Optimus like suffer, basically. So, yeah, that was always like super cool. I love the Starscream getting influenced by the Matrix, and he's like, what's happening to me, Prime? Help me. I don't want to be good. I always love that. Like, he he, he can feel the influence, and he's so against, like, doing anything even remotely good. He's, like, begging Optimus to help him. Like, I always love that. It's like and the I, Skeletor in the yeah. Christmas special. I don't want to be nice. I want to feel evil. What is this Christmas spirit? I must save the children. <laughs> the pages where where Geactus does like nuke San Francisco, it, it's not only well done, but like I remember even as a kid, well, not a kid, a, a late teenager when this came out, like it really took me to like anime kind of vibes. Because that's the shit they do in anime. They they blow up cities we know and stuff. You know, they blow up Tokyo and stuff. And I was like, wow, this is like, you know, you know, I, we, we, we joke about this isn't your father's Transformers. But like, yeah, this is like shit you would do in like a quote unquote real comic, you know, in a kid's to, you know, kids comic, you wouldn't destroy a national like city, like, you know, a, a well-known city, you know, it would just, it wouldn't fly well with like, you know, the, the parents and stuff but since g2 was technically aimed at like a older audience you know it was going for basically the teenagers who had grew up for being kids you know who like transformers they could kind of go for that extra punt you know this is hey, uh, i think the, the big grim is back on the grimlock's <laughs> yeah. uh, shoulder after san francisco gets uh nuked or whatever this is like Furman definitely dipping into his like inner Alan Moore, I feel like almost. But, but uh, I do love, you know, again, I love Jeff Senior's art. I think it, like, you know, he, he sells every moment. Like, I do love that page where Optimus is completely like, you know, like his expression. He's completely devastated over this. Like, he's like, you know, how many have I killed like this time when he collapses? Like, so I think that's really super effective. And and like Justin said, also that that page of Starscream, like panicking because the Matrix is like making him be good, basically. I, I just I, I think Jeff Sr. does a good job of making everyone emote, you know, like like, you know, the look on Starscream's face when he realizes he's being, you know, quote unquote, corrupted with good like the the looks of like shock and, and sadness on Prime's face or even even Grimlock who these these guys don't have mouths they don't they don't have necessarily you know personified you know eyes and things to 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 communicate that necessarily or you could get locked into thinking that it's not possible but i mean i love the way that the the, the mushroom cloud like reflects back in in Grimlock's like you know basically his his uh, his eye lenses you know like that that whole kind of thing and the way everybody sort of can you know effectively emote and then I guess I, I don't know I, I something I think that's worth pointing out is like the the ludicrousness of the philosophies of these characters because it's like 
the Cybertronian Empire would have done this anyway. But the only reason why, like, they think that Giaxis is going insane is because he's doing it for emotional reasons. You know what I mean? Like, like if, if this was just part of the Great Purge and Earth was going to become part of the Empire, like, I don't think anyone would have any problem with Giaxis doing the exact same thing on a much larger scale. But because it's to get the Prime, like, all of a sudden, then, then, then it, it, for some reason, you know, violates their whatever whatever sacrosanct you know morality they seem to uh hold dear or the the blinders of whatever it is they put in front of them you know so like i i, I do find that you know kind of interesting and and again th- that's why i think g-axis is one of the only interesting like you know cybertronian empire characters like he's the clearly the most fleshed out and dimensional and developed and has this kind of complete arc and everything. Um, and then I, I don't know that just while I'm thinking about it, the, the other thing about this issue that I really liked was like, we, we keep talking about like the rival fusion, but like, or, or how well prime and Megatron get along. And like, I do really like the moment where they're going through all these tubes and it's, it's, it's almost like, reminiscent of when you know like daniel and 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 all the folks were in unicron and they're getting like washed around his body with all the water and fluids and everything like that that's kind of similar except for it's all this green gunk in the war world that is being thrashed around and everything and as they fly out the tubes like megatron grabs a hold but you know he stops himself before he falls into the core and then he basically like grabs prime a hold of prime's hand and he's like trust me dude like you don't want to fall into that crap and it's like it it's almost like like it they, they've gone from like bitter enemies to to a tentative alliance but like by the time megatron's like and it, it it's not you know like i i think if this was something that was written for say a Saturday morning cartoon or even, you know, the the G1 cartoon, like that would be a perfect opportunity to cut to commercial break. And instead of Megatron just automatically by default clasping onto Prime's hand and saving him, I mean, you, you can easily go back to, you know, Galvatron and Prime teaming up in the return of Optimus Prime. Like that's the moment of, you know, Oh, I'm gonna let these leeches eat you. You know, like this is gonna be fun. You know, and and, and at that point, you you know, you're you're expecting Megatron to be this guy that's like, oh, looks like you're gonna fall out the tube. <laughs> but that never happens because they're so in sync. You know, like it's I don't know. There's there's just something that's to me that's kind of special about that that they're they're working in tandem and working together and you know that. That um, I don't know. Just you know, again, maybe going back to something that Mike said. You know, it's easy to ignore the the character growth and development of these characters in this arc when you um, either blow it off as uh, '90s schlock or or just because you've never read it before, you've encountered the same kind of uh, story tropes used in lesser works that followed it. But I mean, I, I, I think this is um, 
really a, an exceptional way to to progress that kind of you know as we call it here you know this this kind of rival fusion this this team up between you know a good guy and a bad guy and 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 basically now now it's almost like they're I mean, they, they literally have one another's backs, which is is so far removed from where they started. I also love that, again, speaking to Jeff Sr.'s art, I love that panel of uh, G-Axis looming over that one trooper who tells him, like, you know, we can't shoot it. You know, our troops are down there, man. Like, And he's like, fire again! And like that, that trooper doesn't have like a, he only has two optics and like not really a mouth, but he looks like he's like shitting his pants, like he's so scared, like you know. So like that's another like again, like you said, Jeff Senior, effortless, like showing yeah, exactly yeah. like the 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 very. I think we talked about this before, Derek, but like Jeff Senior picks the like moment of most energy in every like action or, mm-hmm. or, you know, line like, so like, and you know, that's why he's probably my favorite transformers artist of all and, time. And so. that, that gunner or whatever he is, like, it, it's almost like his horns, you know, he's like a death's head looking, you know, trooper, but they, the, the way the horns droop down, it's almost like he's this, this, uh, whimpering puppy dog in front of G axis. Again, speaking to how G axis, is always superior to most of his underlings, but but just that, like you said, the the look on his face, like it's it's pretty easy for people to say, oh, they're robots, they can't emote, they can't show any expression, but clearly that panel puts a complete lie to that entire notion. Again, Manny Galen, like you know, he he's he's in. I think he's coming into his own on these last few issues. Like, and I, I do like that whole gag where you know Megatron's like trying to stop himself from being crushed, and Starscream's face comes out of the wall, and he's like, "Hey, like, aha, like, look at," and then Megatron just shoot like his shoulder cannon rotates and like shoots it. Like, so like that's a good gag. All right, well, let's go on to the conclusion of Transformers Generation Two. Uh, issue number 12, a double-sized 48-page issue uh, titled A Rage in Heaven. The swarm has arrived and no one is safe. Megatron and Grimlock attempt at last stand on Earth while Optimus Prime attempts to reason with G-Axis. Can Optimus pull off a miracle to defeat the swarm or is this truly the end of the road? But is this really the end of the road? Find out <laughs> in the next story, end of the road. Find out in the next issue, Transformers Generation 3. Prime, help me before it's too late. Even though I know on some instinctive level it would be suicidal, I still feel an irrational urge to confront this swarm. Stop it before it causes any more havoc. All my innate survival instincts seem to have been buried under an insane urge to save lives. What's happening to me? The Matrix. The life force you sought to use for your own twisted pursuits is rewriting you through the mind link you share, restructuring your psyche to its own exacting specifications. Sit back and enjoy it, Starscream. You're going to be a hero. I only wish I had time to fully savor the miracle. Prime, wait! I don't want to be a hero. Especially not a dead hero. Help me, please! I'll do anything! 
anything. I remember I, I, I was, I, I think my parents were like somewhere. They, they went away for a while and I was staying with my grandparents when this issue came out. And there was a comic book store a couple blocks away that my grandpa like used to like walk me to. So like I remember getting this issue with my grandpa and like, you know, it was like a double sized issue. So it was like a little more expensive than usual. And like when my when he rang it up, I remember like very this is a very specific memory of I have my of my grandpa. Like when he rang it up and it was like more than usual, he was like, hey, sharpen the price. Like, you know, give them like a senior discount, like basically. So I got this issue for a little cheaper than the, the cover date. But yeah. And then like we walked back home and then I sat down and eagerly like devoured the conclusion and then was pretty happy with it. And then I was sad that like I thought Transformers was dead forever again, basically after this. But but honestly, like I think Furman, I feel like, is never too good with conclusions to stories. But uh, like, I'll be honest, like, I think this is his best conclusion to a like, like continuity, like an ending point to his continuity where it it would seem like it was never going to come back, basically. Like, I think maybe I was naive as a kid or whatever, but I felt like like, you know, maybe it was like ridiculously fragile or something, but I felt like, oh, maybe Maybe it'll work this time. Maybe like the Autobots and Decepticons will stay united and maybe, you know, this it ends on a sort of high note, even though there's a, you know, there's a obviously a a tag at the end with the Leech Maximo. But, you know, uh, I was kind of like, you know, oh, wouldn't it be cool if like they brought Transformers back and the Autobots and Decepticons had to fight the Leech Maximo now? And like, but, you know, back then I was kind of. Even though I was young, I was still kind of savvy to properties ending and stuff. So I was kind of like, well, this is probably the end for Transformers again. So like, meh. But yeah, I, I really love this issue. I have a lot to say about a lot of scenes. But like, what what about you guys? Like That page where G-Axis destroys Prime's mouth and the guard that goes over it. Like, I remember like that was like the thing that made the most impact on me because I... I had never seen that, and you know, back then, back then it was just like a mouth guard or something. Like he he couldn't retract it back then. There was none of that. Like I always thought when they did that in the Bay movies, like that was silly. Like I never, I could never imagine Optimus Prime with like an actual mouth in any way. It was just that little guard. But like when you see GXs completely destroy that and Prime can't speak at all and he's he's holding up his hand and it's just like crack 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 and for like several pages you're just prime can't speak and he's just thinking and you can see all those that mass of tangled wires hanging from his from where his mouth box thingy should be and they're they're like crackling with sparks and smoke and everything like like that made such like uh an impact on me like i don't want to say it worried me or anything because like i wasn't i wasn't worried but i i I just never seen that before like i i mean i'd seen prime die of course you know in in the movie and the video game nonsense but like that seemed really visceral like going back to like issue one like this isn't your dad's transformers or, or something like to me like that page alone encompasses that because i had never seen anything like that before and it 
it's concerning. I mean, there's another panel where you see like Jax is getting consumed and you, you see like a side view of Optimus and it's just it's just the top of the little the white top of like where his mouth guard should be and it's just wires dangling and he's watching Jaxus be like consumed and destroyed and it even that is just I don't know. It it just makes me feel like anxious, <laughs> even even as a forty year old man, like rereading this. It, it it feels like wrong and bad, and it it makes me like anxious and sad for Prime. Even though I know he gets like completely reborn in his combat hero form, it, it's just I don't know, man. Like it it still hurts my feelings for some reason. <laughs> it's a brutal down. I mean, he he like Jackson beats him within an inch of his life. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, I think I think it's a natural feeling, you know, the 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 way he looks, like the 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 other things that they've had Giaxis do, where he's he, he's almost doing like a Rutger Hauer on one of his own guys before he goes over there to mess up Optimus Prime, you know, like he just basically is like, you know, oh, there's nothing we can't crush, and and crushes the one guy's head and everything, and he's like, does anybody else want to question my orders, you know? And then they all shut up, you know. And and when Prime shows up and he gets his, you know, essentially like his entire face, lower half of his face is burnt out. I mean, a lot of this, again, I, I guess I'll keep going back to this well, but you know, a lot of it is, you know, the the common refrain like these guys are robots, they're boxes, like they're not people. I shouldn't care about them type thing or you know that that's a common kind of I can't relate somehow but it's like the reason why you feel uncomfortable was because if this was a person if Optimus Prime was a person that's equivalent to somebody punching out your jaw like where you had no jaw and 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 all you had was like your your upper teeth on your skull and and if you're lucky a little bit of tongue left to go and that's why you feel uncomfortable because that's all that prime has left at the moment you know what i mean and and even when g-axis gets consumed i mean his his solution is to let himself get consumed by the swarm so so in addition to that like that you know the thing that you, you said that sequence with you know basically prime's jaw getting blown out is is uh, uncomfortable like seeing what i basically think of as as prime's bones you know like his 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 arms and legs and hands are getting consumed by the swarm to the point where it's gnawing him down to the literal you know robotic bone right and 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 again it's it's it is something that's like super disturbing because you you viscerally understand as a human being the the personification that's being applied and it's no longer just like an andrew wildman type you know it's not just spittle it's not just people getting banged into and and i mean that was one step of it right where we're going from you know i don't know uh jose delbo to you know, Andrew Wildman was one completely set of revolutionary, you know, personification. But th- this kind of stuff, like like seeing somebody's jaw ripped out and seeing them whittled down to the the their bone marrow, basically, like like that's also 
another form of personification. And I think it ties into what you guys are talking about the whole, this is not your father's Autobot, like the, the level of violence, even though you could argue, Oh, it's just robots. So it's fine, but really it's not. And, and, and I think anybody who reads this, if you're not disturbed by it, then maybe there's something wrong with you. You know what I mean? Like, like that's, that's how you're supposed to feel. You're supposed to feel like, Holy shit. Like this guy's like really in jeopardy. Like, I, I also, like, you know, reading this as a kid was, like, very disturbed by all that. But also, like, reading it as an adult, I'm like, again, I'm like, God damn, that's some beautiful, like, Jeff Sr. art. Like, you know, like, that looks so yeah. good. Yeah. Like, yeah, I wonder if they, like, either either they tapped him or he was like, no, I got this. Like, that just seems like the like those those chapters were perfect for him to draw, especially chapter I'd imagine Furman called him and said, would you like to, you know, come back? And he probably said, because him and Furman are mates, as they say, like he's probably said yes. But I wonder, like one thing I kind of wonder is because it does seem to go back and forth. Right. So like there is that part of me that wonders, well, OK, were all of Jeff Senior's pages done first were they done in the order in which they appear? And then, in other words, like, I, you know, I don't know if I was going to be a big nerd and like we went to some con in the UK where it was like Jeff Senior, Manny Galen and uh, and 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 Simon Furman, like it, whether they remember something from, you know, 30 years ago or not or whatever. Right. Like, I, I, I think I would be curious. I'd be like, OK, so when Jeff Senior drew the panel where Prime's jaw gets punched out, like, uh, Manny, did you see that page? Like, did you? W- w- was there just another description, and you had to interpret it too, and you both had to go back and forth between the pages? Because there's pages where Manny's drawing the same thing, right? Where he's got like the little wires coming out, and 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 maybe he's just got that level of teeth left or whatever, and then it gets even worse for him after that, you know. So it's like I there is that part of me that wonders, oh, who who had what and did people did they get to see what the other person was following with so they had some idea of the i guess the continuity from page to page or were they just kind of like going like okay this is what was it just like a verbal thing where Furman's like okay this is what happened on the page before it now you got to draw this you know it's interesting yeah like i mean it like the damage that Prime has to his mouth, like or his his faceplate, does look like I mean similar enough, like on Manny Galen's pages, like but maybe like there's also like enough room for like you said, maybe he just interpreted what the script said too. So I don't I always I think I've joked to you, Derek, about this before, but I've always laughed like you know ever since like knowing you and stuff. Like I'm like oh look like on that one page it's like. It's almost like uh, I'm I'm Nelson from The Simpsons, where it's like, ha ha, Derek, like, look, Slag and Slingshot, like, two of your favorite characters are getting killed, ha ha. <laughs> and then, and then, like, immediately after, it's like, and then Nightbeat and Dirge, like, two of my favorite characters get killed, and then I'm like, don't. Look. <laughs> That's funny. Those sequences, though, do I mean they they kind of remind me of like you know. Crisis on Infinite Earths level type stuff where, you know, the the, the anti-life wave is just kind of going, going through the universe and these poor guys can't, you know, the swarm is the equivalent, right? They can't 
you know, they can't do anything, but, you know, the slag's like, well, I'm going to charge into it. You know, I'm going to fight with my last breath or whatever. And he's kind of echoing the, the crime syndicate guys that just decide to fly into it at the bitter end or whatever. There's a lot of like notable. Well, when I say notable, like characters, we know dying, like Ramjet eats it. Then like frenzy who oddly enough is blue. Fib rear forever. <laughs> well, it's, it's not it's not odd for the Marvel comic. I mean, he was always blue in the Marvel comic and Rumble was the red and black one. But but yeah, no, I, I know I, I, I know your your personal preference. He has a good he has a good out. He turns into solid physical sound, man. <laughs> yeah, he, I feel like he was he was like doing a like flash thing, but he never can like reconstitute himself almost. Yeah, I was I was going to say there's one shot that we haven't talked about, and it's just a personal shot. It's actually very early on. It's when Prime is going to uh, fly over to uh, the Twilight, and Jaxus is like talking to his like you know officer. He's like, and the officer is like, "Sir, there's someone on a sky sled making his way here. It's Optimus Prime." And then like Prime's like on this little jet sled, and immediately when I saw that, I was just like, "Prime." Ah, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm flying blind on a turbo cycle. Grimlock comes out and is like, "Dive!" I, yeah, I got Queen playing in the background and all. But uh, but yeah, uh, I was just want to echo. I can't sum it up better than Justin did. But yeah, the whole fight between Prime and Jax is. It's not even a fight between. It's just Jax is owning him, but it's it's so fucking visceral. Everything you guys said, I yeah, I I agree with one hundred percent. It's it's really it gets you, it hits you. I mean, this is the culmination of the whole uh, you know Grimlock Razor Claw Manta Ray arc too, right? That 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 you know the the kind of what you were getting at, like Manta Ray's like. Like, hey, Grimlock's not such a bad dude. Like, he's actually like a cool commander to work under, and all this other stuff. And and th- at that point, you know, Razorclaw can't can't handle that, so he's gonna he's gonna kill him. And then Razorclaw gets taken out. You know, so it's like that. Then at that point, they're like, hey, you know, don't don't thank me because we're all Autobots and, and we need to stick together. So there's that. You know kind of complete story arc that that also wraps up in the midst of all this kind of death and destruction there is a like like some kind of positivity or or turnaround you know like like if like you say like Furman's writing this as the very last thing and and is it really possible for Decepticons and Autobots to to work together moving forward and and not fall back into old habits, old ways, old conflicts, old grudges like that. That arc kind of is a uh, a button on that in its own way. Just saying, look, like there's some people they're never going to get over the old grudges, and you're going to have to kill those people. But once that's gone, right? Then, then you know, there's going to be those people that can move beyond that and 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 move forward, and it kind of gives you hope that that you know maybe maybe these these things can be settled, you know, and and that uh, you know may, maybe they can move forward. And then, of course, um, I, I have to bring this up, but like uh, I know it's supposed to be a super serious or moment, but 
I, I can't look at the ending as serious anymore ever since you made that video of uh, Combat Hero <laughs> Optimus Prime. Um, like, that's all I can think of now at the end, you know? Like, I got the commercial written in my head, even though it's, like, supposed to be, like, super serious and everything. And then since since I'm jumping into it, the 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 appearance of the Liege Maximo, like, I didn't give this much thought, but I think the... I think the TF Wiki describes him as like a Titan, which I thought was interesting given how we currently refer to Titans, you know, and, and he is obviously much, much larger. He almost looks like a, a, a Surtur type looking Transformer, you know, like just this large God type Transformer. And, you know, heaven help me, it reminds me of things like um, like Snoke when he's that large hologram in... Um, in force awakens or whatever you know just that, that there's some you know there's some other new menace out there that we only heard in whispers and and we're now just seeing and you know it kind of led me down the road of oh you know uh, what Furman wrote the uh the the little novella that nobody considers canon but kind of deals with the future of this kind of yeah Continuation. Yeah. So like I was like, oh, that's interesting that there's there's a little more to this story, you know, following that or whatever, you know, that that, you know, didn't really get an opportunity to cover. But, you know, like you said, if this is if this is the end thing, you know, aside from, you know, I don't know, uh, uh, Rook coming back to Imperious Leader or whatever, like that's kind of what it feels like, like the end of a Battlestar Galactica movie or something. And they're like, you know. Uh, by your command, you know, like we'll 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 keep moving forward or whatever. But for the most part, you know, primes come through the fire and 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 gave their entire uh, race hope. And and it, it's almost like there there's some things in this. I think we we've kind of said that happened for the first time. But I think there are some echoes of things from maybe return of optimus prime like you you can almost see it, it's not quite what they're doing but you can almost see you know g2 megatron and combat hero prime shaking hands you know there will be no more fighting today optimus prime you have earned you know galvatron's respect you know and it's like that's that's kind of you know going trying to bring it back to seriousness and not your you know joke video like the seriousness of the scene i think is that that, that that is what's going on here like like prime earned Meg, g2 megatron's respect right and and that that they, he saved their entire race and they're they're gonna work together moving forward it's funny that you mention like i just kind of made a connection in my head like you mentioned like surter jeff senior like has always said that like walt simonson was one was of a major influence, influence. Yeah. yeah so and like i think they must have been friends because like walt simonson like really liked death's head and like included him in his like fantastic four run and like you know had drew him a couple times so you know they must have you know he must have really like you know they either had a correspondence or you know something but but yeah now now i can't unsee that i'm like oh yeah Leech Maximo is totally like a, a like Asgardian sort of like thing yeah. that Jeff yeah. Senior mm-hmm. like came up with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what what is it they call that they're called? What what is like Cthulhu called? Uh, El Eldrith Drish. El- I can't say it. Eldritch Horror. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Evil is infinite. 
is ridiculous, fragile. Or to what Decepticon Alliance has destroyed but a fraction of my empire's total force. Irritated rather than wounded. Rest assured, Rook, the day of reckoning will come. This is also, again, you know, where Optimus, he's died before, and it's for, like, doing the right thing. And in, in, in the cartoons, you know, he had, like, his little hate plague moment and all this. But this is, like, and, and I'm, I'm not trying to step on any toes. I'm not trying to say anything that's, like, religiously heated. But this is this is almost kind of like the uh, the resurrection kind of story. He willingly kills him, gets himself killed. And he's, you know, resurrected in a new form. And, like, they really ran with that with Optimus in later years, you know. Can can we discuss, like, well, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know that I've put it all together in my head, so I'm curious what your guys' take on it is. But, so, the Swarm is created as a result of that whole unnatural budding process and then it goes around and you know eats you know robotic life and 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 does what it does and prime sacrifices himself to get taken by the swarm once he's reunited with the creation matrix in an attempt to purify the swarm which he succeeds in doing the swarm becomes something other than the swarm i'm gonna say like i you know i don't know if it's the valk or whatever you want but you know it 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 basically it 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 is no longer the corrupt force it was It, it seems like it's it's almost like this you know golden light or whatever now and then it restores prime and so moving forward the swarm is not gonna be a threat it's actually like the I don't know, the life bringer version of Galactus, right? Whereas Galactus before would go and consume planets, like whereas before the swarm was basically death to any, I guess, robotic life that it encountered. Like now it's going to be a force of creation. So that was my interpretation of what happened. And so I guess I'm just curious, like, did, did you like if if that is the direction they were going in in Beast Wars, that the swarm was the ancestor, that the Vok were descended from the swarm, uh, then the the Vok were these now forces of creation. I guess is that is that fair to say, or at least they had that aspect in them. They're 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 matrix creation matrix. Uh, influenced characters like in the background of Beast Wars? That's that's kind of like, I know like the the creators of Beast Wars, like the head writers like Bob Ford and Larry DeTilio had like different like thoughts on the origins of the swarm and, but they never, neither of them either like canonized any of their like thoughts. So, but like, like I said, Larry DeTilio wanted the the Valk to be the evolved form of the swarm. Yeah. So like, and like, you know, the, the matrix kind of like, you know, enlightened them or, you know, gave them the answers. Like it, it was seeking basically. Cause it, it was consuming things to like, it's kind of like, you know, the friggin', um, 
the the aliens from the Gundam Double O movie, like they consume mm. things to like understand them, basically. Well, you, you know, it's funny you made me think of, and maybe this will make Justin happy, but I mean, it's almost like the swarm is like V'ger, right? Like, yeah, that too. Like, yep. Like, uh-huh. like it was it was consuming to understand its creator and to to fulfill its programming and all that other stuff, and then and then it merges with you know. Decker and Ilya or whatever, and then it becomes like this whole new unique life form. And it's, you know, the swarm kind of becomes something other than the swarm by the end of it, right? Yeah. Okay. Guy cast life form. <laughs> I would say maybe, maybe it's not even just creation. Maybe where the swarm was more obsessed with death and, and killing and, and consuming, like, creation is a part of it but maybe like this new form of whatever the swarm was if, if it's the block or whatever you want to call it you know depending on what you know a writer has deemed is their 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 story for it maybe it's more obsessed with life because it, 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 it also it makes prime but like it just resurrects him it didn't really like you know make a new prime it just gave him life back and like, if you take like uh, Tigatron and Air Razor, you know, everybody thought that they got killed, but they actually were made into a new life form, like with Tiger mm. Hawk. Mm. Maybe you know they're 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 obsessed with like what is life? What is really life? You know, they they found out what death was, and after being enlightened, they're like, well, what is this life? What is life really? You know, why why are we alive? I don't know. That's maybe a little too existential. I don't know. No, no, no. I, I, I think that's that's a, an interesting distinction, right? Like, like creation versus just being, you know, compelled to seek out life, to understand life, to, and then you know, I guess the ultimate is to, uh, you know, restore life, to create life, like you know, all those things. I've always thought that a ship that uh, Megatron takes to Earth looks like a giant, like melon or something like the <laughs> jeff jeff senior ship like it looks like some kind of weird pumpkin melon or something like right it's a gourd <laughs> yeah it's some kind of gourd ship yeah oh and by the way hasbro if you want to make a new titan class if you don't want to do leech if you want to do leech maximo have him transform from the twilight <laughs> yeah that would be a very cool idea uh-huh one of my favorite gags from the IDW comics, and I think like Marigrid Scott did it in her, in her like Till All Are One book, is when like they they introduced the Leech Maximo and it like they you know they had the Loki looking one, and then like when they they had like a news report and it was like you know the Leech Maximo has been like released from captivity and it's like and accompanying the news report was it says like artists rendition of Leech Maximo and it was the G two Leech Maximo like. Mm. Like I always thought that was pretty hilarious. I, I was going to say that I did like uh, G2 Megatron's like kind of hero moment, like from that shuttle. Cause you were talking about the shuttle where like, you know, Grimlock is with the forces and they're just getting the, their asses handed to them while it's being taken everywhere. And like, you know, it's almost like a star Trek moment, Justin, where like, you know, it's like, sir, it's the enterprise. It's like, you know, right? It, it Megatron, and it, like Megatron just got this shitty grin on his face, and he's like, "Hello, Grimlock. I happen to get here the hard way, but I've got this nice big cachet of, you know, uh, 
what is it called? Uh, uh, Rhenium or something like that? Re- Rhenium or, yeah, I forgot how to pronounce it. But yeah, but it's, it's, it's basically safety shields against the swarm. And he's just like, you know, I've got presents. And he's just like, let's kick some ass. <laughs> I love in the background of that scene that Grim, Grimlock's just like squeezing the container and pouring it all over himself. Like, I don't know. That's funny looking to me. It's like a, a juicy fruit commercial. Yeah. He's like, someone's got to make a commercial for reanimum, re- reanimum. I, I don't know how to pronounce that, but. I also love, like, you know, look at my avatar. I love that Megatron face when he, like, <laughs> when he sees Optimus come back as combat hero, Opti- Optimus Prime. He's like, damn, i got to get me some of that. <laughs> Swarm's greatest gift, the power of nerf. <laughs> He's like, yes, Megatron, and now I have this cool pressure bellow launcher. Like, you want one, too? <laughs> You hell yeah, I do. <laughs> well, it, it's Nerf or it's nothing. These mighty mega missiles are slamming. Justin, do you have any final thoughts on this issue? No. Nope. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, this this is, uh, yeah, like I said, this is my favorite conclusion to like a Furman story, basically. It's Generation 2 in general is my the real like the real sequel to the Marvel like continuity like no not Regeneration 1 not the classic like fan club stuff like this is my preferred like sequel to like you know the original comics and I have a huge nostalgic fondness for it and you know it it is very of its time but i think it still kind of holds up like i mean i think all the character work holds up i the the art is still like i said you know manny galen is he did his best with what must have been a very difficult like you know space of time to like both uh copy someone else's style and also keep track of a very uh a confusing property so like yeah like i think he did fine with what he had like it is a shame that like you know i think me and derek have talked about like wouldn't it be cool to like live in the universe where like either like derek yanniger drew like all of this or 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 i think one of my pipe dreams was always like wouldn't it be cool if like they could get like k zama to like draw redraw oh, all of like generation oh, two yeah. or something yeah 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 like that just hook it up to my veins it just hook it to my veins like that would be amazing but you well, know that's never that, gonna that's happen, like one of those so. things where like if she if she took on commissions that that would be something where you should be like can you do like some kind of g2 collage or something you know like something yeah like, like scenes that. from g2 yeah uh-huh oh, I, I will say in the letters page since you're talking about really cool artwork in the letters page, there's like four like covers, I guess that were maybe going to be used or whatever, but Oh yeah. Like the pin, the pinup art. Yeah. Really good art. Uh, one is your, your boy sideswipe Grimlock, uh, Optimus, and then like a, uh, collage of all the Megatron's forces. Yeah. I remember those. Like I remember being really impressed by those. Yeah. That dude, the dude who drew that Megatron, I'm mean, the the Decepticon collage. I think he's on DeviantArt. I think I'm a, a friend of his on DeviantArt. Like I think he has the line work for that at least. Oh. Uh, this is something I've wanted to cover for a long time, so I'm glad we got to do it. Like like I said, I have a huge like nostalgic fondness for Generation Two. 
like the comic, like, you know, in, in, you know, in general, like we've talked about everything generation two in general, like the toys and, you know, it was my chance to get like a lot of other like toys I hadn't gotten cause I was too young and they weren't on shelves anymore. And that's why I'll always like defend G2 and Linkara can suck it when he says this comic sucks. Cause it, <laughs> cause it doesn't, it's it doesn't. awesome. It doesn't suck. That's for sure. Uh huh. It's metal and awesome, and yeah, it's 90s as fuck, but I don't care, because it's fucking awesome. All right, well, that sounds like a good note to wrap things up on. So if you guys have any comments, questions, and or concerns, you can reach us at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. We're on all kinds of social media. We're on Tumblr, Twitter, X. Uh, You can... uh, Find us on Instagram, uh, Facebook. We appreciate all the likes, hearts, shares, and retweets that we receive. And we can be streamed. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Play, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Thank you, Derek. So this is Mike, signing off. This is Derek, Derek WC, signing off. This is Justin. I had a laser rod in my pants. Whoa! (laughs) This is Tony, and it never ends. Justin, I have a rotor force in my pants. Ouch. (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? I'm going to wind up with the testicular torsion or something. Does that mean you have to reload like every time? Yes. Uh huh. I have to wind it up before it goes. <laughs> they make pills for that now. <laughs> this is why we're all single. Hey, don't flip out. Transformers Generation 2 will be right back. I, I was laughing because uh, yesterday my parents went to go see Oppenheimer. And like, so I was asking my dad today, like, uh, like oh, how was that? Like, I haven't seen it yet. Like, I was, he was like, Oh, like, yeah, I liked it, but I don't know. There was something wrong with, like, the sound. Like, the music and the, like, effects were louder than the dialogue. And I'm like, yeah, that's Christopher Nolan. Like, he's, that's, like, all his movies. He's like, oh. He was like, oh, I got to watch it again when it's out on streaming with the subtitles on this time. Because I feel like I missed a whole bunch of shit. It's like, uh, what, uh. Tom Hardy shows up. Oh, the bomb is totally going to happen. You should have just gotten Tom Hardy to dub all of uh, Cillian Murphy's dialogue. I I think it's funny, like, that, like, you know, someone like my dad who doesn't, like, you know, really, you know, he doesn't take notice of, like, the technical side of movies, like, notice that. And if, you know, laymen are noticing it, like, then I'm like, you know, why is this a creative choice Christopher Nolan always makes? Right, right. It doesn't matter. It might die be terrible. As long as the fight scenes are really confusing, too. <laughs> and there are super close-ups on my fucking cow for no reason. All, all action is taking place in the foreground that we really should see, but we don't. Don't hit the road. Transformers Generation 2 will be back after these messages. <coughs> Hang on, let me just hack and wheeze for a couple seconds. <laughs> la 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 la.
Who will join me? Who will give up the ability to podcast and become an action master and do absolutely nothing? <laughs> dude, they did plenty. You, I you will. Snap, you snap them back and they punch shit. Come on, dude. They were stronger, faster, more alive. Fake Scatman Crothers will. Faster, I stronger, will. More I will. Alive. Faster, stronger, more alive. X Who will give up the ability to transform <laughs> again kid. with the Decepticons? You Decepticon bastards killed my son. <laughs> you Decepticon bastards! You blew up San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> Blew up Starfleet. You <laughs> blew up Starfleet. Yeah. I've never trusted a G-axis ever since he blew up my San Francisco Golden Gate Bridge. <laughs>